Welcome to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries, where we show you how to work smarter, not harder, because busyness does not equal profitability. Join our conversations where we show you how to decrease stress, take more time off, and have more fun. Hi there, my name is Amy. I'm a personal practice coach for the Brady Group, and I've been in your shoes. I've had the pleasure of working with dental practices across the globe, and you know what I've discovered? Everyone has the same challenges. I'm excited to share wisdom that I've gained from great dental practices just like yours. So today, we're going to talk about how to handle the I word without running off patients. Um, I'm sure you can probably guess what the I word is. We're talking about insurance. I uh, have a lot of, of our members and even folks who aren't Brady Group members who are always trying to figure out how to handle that insurance question. Now, whether you're a PPO practice or not, doesn't really matter because you're all in the insurance business. And as long as dental insurance is in existence, um, you know, whether you accept assignment, whether it doesn't really matter. Even if you're a complete fee-for-service practice that doesn't accept assignment, you still need to understand how to communicate with patients about insurance. Um, yeah, there are patients out there that because we have trained them as an industry, they actually rely a lot on their insurance company for making decisions. And so we're going to talk about how to handle that today. I'm just going to throw out some common objections that we hear that you guys have all shared with me, and we're going to talk about how to handle them. So first one is, that's a lot of money. I think I'm just going to do what my insurance will pay. So how do we respond to that? Um, first of all, that's an indication that maybe the patient doesn't trust the treatment plan. Uh, if you haven't involved your patient in the process of coming up with that plan, then you probably want to, to back up a little bit and figure that out. Um, but if we have done a nice job of establishing a solid foundation that's built on the patient's goals and their objection, objectives and things that are important to them, uh, then we can go back and say, what if your plan doesn't cover things that are important to you? I know you wanted to accomplish X, Y, and Z. Uh, how do you want to handle those things that um, you wanted to accomplish if your plan does not cover them? Um, so, you know, again, put it back in, in their court. Uh, also letting them know, you know, most patients have actually found that their dental plan is more of a rebate or a supplement, not really similar to, to actual insurance. Uh, the other thing we need to understand is when they mention money, uh, <laughs> and insurance in the same statement. And even if they don't, if they just bring up their insurance, like what, you know, what's my obligation? What am I going to have out of pocket? Um, or they are concerned about in-network, out-of-network, all that stuff. Really, insurance is just a money objection. And that's how we want to treat that. So if we could say something like, what if we could help spread out the, the obligation so that you don't have to come up with it all at once? Uh, that way you can accomplish things that maybe your plan doesn't cover that are important to you. So again, treat it like um, basically like a money objection. Now, what if uh, you hear this? Well, since the doctor's not on my dental plan, I'm going to change to somebody, quote unquote, in network. <laughs> so 
maybe the patient went home, uh, talked to spouse, or maybe you are in the process of getting, you know, off of PPOs and, and this happens. I think just thank them. Hey, thanks so much for keeping me in the loop. You know, we actually have a lot of patients that have your particular dental plan and a lot of patients really didn't realize that they can still stay uh, a part of our office. Other than going to a restricted doctor on your plan, what else is important to you when you decide where you want to have your dentistry done? Okay. Now, you notice I said other than going to a restricted doctor rather than in-network or preferred provider, because see, those are all terms that insurance companies come up with that um, serve their purpose, not yours, especially if you are a fee-for-service or you're thinking about um, weaning off of some of those plants. So then the patient may say, I just don't know if I can afford to come see you since you aren't in network. <laughs> so I think we can respond then by saying, most patients have actually found the difference in reimbursement isn't that significant. And the good news is that you have the same total maximum, whether you choose uh, your own dentist or go to one of the restricted practices. Again, what if we could help spread the investment out so you don't have to pay your out-of-pocket costs all at once? All right. And so again, we stay away from the in-network, out-of-network uh, verbiage, again, understanding um, it's it's a money objection. So what if your patients say something to you like, why can't you just uh, get on the list? <laughs> why aren't you an in-network dentist? And um, I would keep that response really short and sweet. We've tried it both ways and our doctor was being asked to sacrifice the standard of care and you deserve better than that. Okay. Super easy, straightforward. Don't get into a bunch of justification and explanation. My husband said that I need to find a dentist in network, so I need to cancel my appointment for tomorrow. <laughs> um, here's how we might respond to that. You know, I totally get it. I know it can be so confusing. Uh, your dental plan actually profits when you go to a restricted dentist, so they're going to sway you in that direction. Did you know you can actually remain a patient of ours and we'll still maximize your plan? Um, you know, again, I think they're going to receive communication from their dental plan, from the PPO that's going to basically tell them you have to choose somebody on this list. And so I think oftentimes there's, uh, you know, misrepresentation, there misinterpretation. And we just, uh, without getting into a ton of explanation, again, keep it really simple. Why aren't you on the list for my insurance? <laughs> Same thing. Um, this was another question. It's very similar to the last one. You know, we actually um, made the decision to change our relationship with your particular plan because our doctor was finding that those limitations of the plan are restricting the time he or she can spend with you as well as the quality of dentistry. And she's just not willing to sacrifice either. And you deserve better. So, um, you know, again, very similar conversation there. Here's another one that some of you hear frequently. I received a letter from my insurance company stating you are no longer in network and that I need to find a new dentist. So again, the theme is very similar. But here's how I would respond. That is absolutely not correct. We have several patients on your plan. 
our doctor made the decision uh, to change the relationship we have with your plan because they were asking us to downgrade the standard of care. So again, I'm saying kind of the same thing conceptually. I'll probably say it different every time. <laughs> um, and I would encourage you to do the same is don't memorize this so much as take the concept and drape your own words and personality over that. So here's another thing that comes up quite often. Can't you just send a predetermination? And I think, first of all, we have to address why do patients ask for us to send a predetermination? Well, it could be several reasons. Maybe they think that their insurance requires it. Um, there's a, you know, oftentimes medical plans will require that if you go to have a procedure done or go to a specialist or, or something of that nature, they're going to ask for uh, that to be pre-approved. So they may be confused and think that dental is the same way. Maybe they are very concerned about knowing exactly how much money they're going to owe. If that's the case, I often, you know, I think it's perfectly fine to keep a copy of a predetermination at the front desk with that section highlighted that says this is not a guarantee of payment or benefits <laughs> um, so that they know, gosh, you know, we're going to do our best to maximize your plan, but this doesn't really guarantee what your out-of-pocket will be. Um the other thing to think about is those patients who might have a predetermination already for the exact same procedure or treatment already in their chart. And this, you know, gosh, it worked to get out of the office last time without committing. So I'm just going to ask again. <laughs> um, you know, you're creating a lot of extra work for yourself. Don't ever offer to send a predetermination, whatever you do. Um, and here's a great response if you do have a patient. Uh, ask you to. I would say, oh gosh, we don't do a lot of those, but sure, I'd be happy to get one out, out for you. Uh, the fee to submit a predetermination is $150 and we will apply that to your treatment when you begin. Can you tell me why you're wanting to send one in just out of curiosity? <laughs> and again, you know, there might be a misconception where they think they have to. Um, maybe they're you know, just accustomed to that because in their last dental practice, that's kind of what they did. So uh, that's how I would respond to that. You know, you're asked all the time, what will my insurance cover? And there are so many different responses to this. Um, and really the theme here, and you'll kind of, there's so many different answers depending on the situation, but you'll kind of catch that the theme here again is not to be the insurance expert. You know, you guys are basically operating as an unpaid employee of the insurance companies. I don't know why we do that. We spend more time involved in insurance on hold, doing all of this stuff. And again, this is a process. I'm not saying that if you are very heavily involved and, and um, that's how you're operating, that you change this today. But there are some things we can do to work towards that to where insurance isn't dominating your day. Uh, you know, if a patient says, what will my insurance cover? And it's a significant plan. I would say, hey, that's a great question. Do you happen to know what the maximum is for your plan? Giving patients some ownership for that and not being the all-knowing expert in the, the office is so valuable. Because if you can begin to give that some of that back to your patient, you may even know the answer. But let them have some ownership here. They may know. Uh, they may not know. If they know, 
And they say, well, I think it's $1,000. I would say, that's fantastic. That's $1,000 you don't have to worry about. Let's figure out how we can help you with the rest. Okay, so um, that's how I would, would approach that. You could also respond by saying, great question. It really depends on the restrictions and limitations uh, of the plan that uh, your employer chose. But I can promise you that we're going to maximize what uh, is available to you. The other way to respond to this, again, this goes back to uh, patients who might traditionally or maybe historically been very dependent upon their insurance for making decisions, uh, asking them again, what if we find out your insurance doesn't cover any of the treatment that you're wanting to accomplish? How do you feel about that? You know, and really we're, we're just trying to find out, is this patient only committing because they have insurance or is this really something they want to do? And if they're committing only because they have insurance, that falls on us. And that's a whole nother podcast, again, talking about how we can help patients um, keep ownership and how they can be a part of coming up with the treatment plan and in effect asking for the dentistry. Now, I know they can't say, yeah, I'd like a root canal and a couple of crowns. Oh, and can you do buildups with those two? <laughs> I know they're not going to ask for that. But when we involve them in the process, involve them in the conversation, ask questions to find out what they value about their teeth, what's important to them, uh, it's you're not going to have that question or that comment as often. Uh, yeah, I'll just do what my insurance covers. Even saying, you know, it sounds like cost is a factor to you. If we're able to help you with your out-of-pocket investment, make it comfortable for your budget, maybe a monthly payment, would that be helpful? Again, remember, insurance questions are really just money objections. And so that's how you want to approach that. Now, side note here, I am not talking about in-house financing. That is not something I would recommend at all. I would suggest you have two to three uh, third-party finance companies that you've made arrangements with that you offer in your office. Um, we will talk about uh, in a future podcast how to present that, but um, that's going to be your option. It's not that you are doing in-house financing. Even simply asking how important is your insurance in determining the kind of treatment you'd like to have completed. Uh, another way to sort of explain this or uh, answer that question, most of our patients see their insurance as a great supplement, kind of a dental rebate that'll help you with a portion of your treatment. Uh, now let's figure out how we can help you with the rest. Um, one thing I would not do is bad mouth uh, your patient's insurance. That's real easy for us to do and say things like, well, you only have $1,000. <laughs> dental insurance stinks. Yeah, that's not what we wanna do. Um, we're their advocate, we're on their side. We're there to help them and help them feel good about their decisions. And so uh, I would say something like, hey, great news. Looks like you have a thousand dollar maximum. That's going to help a lot with your investment. And so uh, another way, sometimes when patients are asking more and more insurance questions and seem really focused on that, uh, saying something just as simple as a lot of our patients have actually found that their plan isn't up to date. If we find that your insurance won't cover some of the dentistry you want to have completed, how do you want to handle that? And lastly, and this is going to blow some of you away, especially if you're very, very uh, 
involved in insurance and it's a big part of your practice is to say, I don't know. They say, what will my insurance pay? I don't know. Again, it's not that we are not on their side and that we're not their advocate. Um, I just want you to know you don't have to be the insurance expert. You don't have to spend hours on the phone with your uh, patient's insurance plan. It's just not where you want to go. Um, if you are fine with doing single tooth dentistry and crisis-based dentistry and being a very busy practice uh, and chaotic and just you know running around and have a lot of um, uh, lack of retention, in other words, your back door is open and you're just super busy, keep operating and under, you know, the, I guess the cloud of insurance. But if you would like to look at doing things differently, if you're tired of that, if you're tired of sending statements for residual balances, if you're tired of having battles with your patients uh, over that, if you're just sick and tired of spending so much time on hold with these insurance companies, guys, there's a better way. And I'm here to tell you it, it works. Um, you have to be, you know, uh, open to that. You have to be ready. You have to, to have a team that's all on board and you have to believe it's the right thing to do. And frankly, it is because these responses aren't just canned answers. You really are being asked to sacrifice your standard of care if you are involved in PPOs because you simply can't be profitable, you, you know, without being extremely busy and make it work. So there's a better way. I hope you guys know that. If you would like uh, more um, scripting, if you would like some of this verbiage, again, I don't suggest memorization, but if you would like uh, the, the uh, transcript, I guess, for all of these questions and suggested responses, feel free to email me, amy at bradygroupllc.com. Registration is now open for our April 8th Virtual Front Desk Goddess Retreat. It's an outrageously innovative event exclusively created for successful dental practices that want to minimize the hassles of insurance filing, statement sending, bad scheduling, collections, phone shoppers, low case acceptance, high overhead, front desk bottleneck trouble, and other stress monsters. Just call me, Amy, at 800-592-7239 to register. Oh, and you can mention this podcast and that'll save you $50 on your registration. We'd be honored if you would subscribe to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries, rate our podcast and share it with your friends. From one goddess to another, this is Amy signing off.